0: Hi, I'm Charles Galva, the president of Vision New England, and your host for the Church in Action program, where we talk with New England leaders about making disciples who disadvantage themselves for unity and to do justice, which opens the door to share Jesus, which transforms our lives and our world. This week, I'm talking with Pastor Enoch Liao, pastor of Boston Chinese Evangelical Church and a founding board member and chairman of the board for the Boston Center for Biblical Counseling, and probably one of our most frequent guests on The Church in Action, Enoch. Thanks for being with us again.
1: It's a joy to always be here, Charles.
0: Thank you. Well, it's nice of you to say it anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, God forgives the lying, so. But.
0: <laughs> and so we just completed an exercise to identify uh, the gaps in the post-pandemic church, what the church needs to look like coming out of the pandemic and going to the future. We worked with more than 100 leaders across New England to do that. And one of the biggest gaps identified in that exercise was mental health. Hmm. Uh, Many would say we're facing a mental health crisis before COVID. It's looking more like a tsunami today, impacting pastors, uh, leadership teams, congregants, communities. And most of our churches are not equipped to minister in the space. Uh, And counseling resources are limited, let alone biblical or Christian counseling. And we'll talk about what that even means a little bit later. So we just want to spend some time on the church in action, talking about it, um, helping folks understand the issue if they're not engaged in it or familiar with it and connect with resources because we're going to need to need them for our own benefit but to bless our communities too so that people want to hear about jesus right when we serve and love and bless our communities they care what we have to say about jesus but Enoch, before we jump into that could you give kind of the the short version of who who is enoch Lao for people who may not have heard you before and what is boston chinese evangelical story
1: yeah so uh the church was founded in Boston, city of Boston, in Chinatown in 1961, and it's grown by the grace of God to uh, all these years. We've got a couple campuses, and we worship in three languages right now in seven services, um, both in person and online because it's a pandemic. And uh, our heritage is that of uh, Cantonese and Toysani speakers. Uh, so we have two Cantonese and. Two services in Cantonese, two services in Mandarin, two or three services in English on two sites. And uh, we're here to serve the greater Boston area, both regionally as a Chinese heritage church, but also whoever may come through our doors. So we're open and welcoming to everybody.
0: And we consider you a native Bostonian because you've been (laughs) here so long, but you're not a native Bostonian. What's Um, a little bit about your background?
1: It's funny because uh, so my wife and I, well, she was born and raised, I was raised in California. We most recently came from LA. Most recently, meaning in the last century slash millennium (laughs) right and it's funny because i think it's both people on the west coast and the east coast when they find out we're from la they're like when are you going to go back or when are you going to come back and at some point just a few some years ago someone in my church who's been at our church a lot longer and i think has been in new england for a lot longer she just said well you've been here forever so you either go from new guy that's still going to go back to california because the weather or whatever to one day I don't think they're leaving. So we'll just accept them now. So uh, it's kind of New England also. So, yeah, I grew up in L.A., um, went to UCLA for undergrad, went to Talbot School of Theology for seminary and have been in Boston since uh, basically early 2001 or early 2000s. Yeah,
0: I, I remember being raised in Connecticut and being told that um, you're not a New Englander until you've been here 25 years.
1: Wow, then and I so you've got go a few more years, you then, we'll, then you can be one. <laughs> that is my aspiration. If I would grant that. That'd be cool.
0: <laughs> and and so, so, you know, set the stage a little for mm-hmm. us. I want to talk about the the counseling center, but what are you seeing from a mental health perspective over the last two years? And how is that different than maybe what you were seeing before, if it is? Yeah, yeah.
1: So the mental health issues, I think right now with the pandemic and just human services, the the labor shortage, it is hard to get uh, so much labor, whether it's someone to come fix something in your house or even get a surgery. One of my friends, a surgeon, he came to the gym to work out. And I said, I thought you had surgery today. He said, we don't have enough nurses, so I just I can't operate. And I think that includes a lot of mental health services. Um, Then it becomes a little bit like allergies, uh, we definitely have a high incidence of them today, but is that because we actually have people more with allergies or is it because we're just diagnosing them? Uh, same with asthma, which I personally have. Uh, when I was a kid parent, we didn't diagnose that. So I think the jury is still out on whether or not we actually have more mental health problems uh, today than there was in the past. And definitely within perhaps Christian context because um, mental health as a field in recent years in the modern era in this country definitely has been associated with less shall I say, less than Christian origins, you know, from people like Freud and Jung and things like that. So I think in some quarters of the church, there's an understandable distrust uh, and concern about that. How biblical is it? How how faithful to scripture is it? Can you integrate it? It wasn't that long ago in my lifetime when you couldn't be a Christian and a scholar. You couldn't be a Christian and philosopher. You couldn't be a Christian and academic person because those just seemed incompatible. Of course, you go back further than that and a lot of the (laughs) academic and scholars were Christians or at least people of faith. So, so I think when it comes to today, there's definitely a shortage of people uh, who can provide these services. There's also definitely a seems to be anecdotally, but I think um, probably general, someone's done a study. There's a greater openness to that, both in the church. And I think outside the church, Uh, some of it is legally like decades ago, if someone was had suicidal ideation, you know, you just help them what you can, you know, but today, whether it's mandatory laws for abuse, mandatory laws for endangering someone's self or suicide, things like that. There's just a lot of other issues going around that are all producing, I think by the Lord's hand, a constellation thereby which more and more people are grappling with mental health. And then how do we as Christians, how do we as a church address that? And now we're coming to the game when, we'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about the different types of Christians doing counseling. What's the proper theological framework for all that? So, but I think right now in the cultural moment in a pandemic, it seems far more acceptable to need help from a therapist or counseling services and to admit you have those issues. Um, and actually, I feel like every celebrity or famous person within or without the church, you know, they're like saying, I have mental health issues. And and it's whether it's more acceptable, whether it's happening more or whether it's just widely known, it's, it's here and it's all around us. Yeah, because we probably do need to
0: acknowledge there's a school of thought um, that would point to to your point that the number of diagnosable things the psychiatric profession has come up with is just growing exponentially. Mm-hmm. The so, so why should Christians help me from a biblical perspective? Why why should we engage in this? Why isn't the answer? Um, hey, to your point about it, hey, it's prayer, right? Just Right. Just get past it. If you're if you're right with God, you shouldn't have these issues, which is a school of thought. Um, and, and why is it our role to step into it and in the broader community? Yeah.
1: Huge, huge question. I'll say why I got into it. Um, I think growing up in a f- probably more conservative Christian environment, um, I think sometimes there was a denial that these problems existed to your mm-hmm. point, you know, you just pray more, have more self-control and the concern, and I just preached on this in my own church several weeks. So this is really fresh. The concern when you say someone doesn't have the ability to control themselves like an addiction is I think well-placed when they say, well, are you now excusing people of moral agency and responsibility? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's an addiction, you you don't you need help to change and therefore it's not your fault. And I think we're confusing the cause with the solutions. Someone may have made poor choices to put themselves in a state where they're addicted. Someone else may have just been no control, like a baby being born with certain addictions because of the environment her mom had to be in, whether her fault or someone else's fault, that I don't think anyone would probably blame the baby. But the fact of the matter is, I think when you, and I'm no doctor or scientist, so, but but I think when you read about studies, I think there are neurological evidence to like, think about this is affecting things like the brain. And so as a pastor, um, what I found was that people that didn't believe these mental health issues were really real, they typically changed their mind when one thing happened. Someone they knew or loved had some issues. And actually you and I were talking about this kind of phenomenon before we started recording. Wow, it happened to me and I need to take more seriously about this whole issue of mental health. This issue that there really is, these are kinds of diseases and and they really don't seem to be able to overcome them with more self-control or willpower. And so having seen that in the church, in churches where we probably have collectively told people just pray more and it may not have seemed to really been the issue. Um, I think we need to be open to how other things can help. And, you know, honestly, if you want a scriptural thing, Paul, the apostle told his protege, Timothy, a very homespun, uh, sort of solution. Why don't you have some wine that can take it easy in your stomach? Uh, He didn't. He literally didn't say, "Cast thou demon of you know stomach indigestion out." And I don't mean to make light of that. I think demons can do all sorts of things, but like he's actually very practical. You should you should do this. And um, so I do think under the sovereignty of God that we don't need to be afraid of things that we're learning in aspects and bodies of knowledge like science and things like that. Uh, But I think we should be very very concerned and thoughtful about approaching it with a fully biblical framework, which is arguably not what some of our scientific or friends in those scientific fields would like us to do, but you know, that's, a, I think it's a worldview issue there. And, and so,
0: so, and is that what you mean then, uh, when you talk about uh, the uh, the counseling center says it's a gospel centered, church based, clinically informed. Is, is that what we're talking about? The marrying up of the, the work that's been done clinically with a biblical yeah. understanding?
1: So I'm going to get in even more trouble here. Um, our center, and you know, again, I'm not here to represent our center actually at all. Actually, I didn't even tell anyone I was doing this. <laughs> um, uh, but, but uh, there's a phrase, biblically based, clinically informed. There's another center full of wonderful Christian people, and I'm, I'm friends with several of them in the in the Metro Boston area. That their tagline at some point was, clinically based, biblically informed. Now, depending, I've heard people who are very astute and trained in their various schools of thought to say those are radically different things, you know, hugely different. I have the luxury of not being trained. So when I listen to them break it down, really break it down, I'm like, okay, yeah, I understand those significant, sophisticated, nuanced underpinnings that are pretty significantly different. However, to the average person, you're going to get close. It's like that old book, Phantom Toll Booth, where it was the tallest short man and the shortest tall man. I believe they're going to probably converge because I think truth finds its way out. And I think truth, you know, if you keep pursuing their truth. So um, so what I would say is if you're biblically based and clinically informed or clinically based biblically informed, I think it comes down to where you're starting with. But, you know, biblically based, when you're starting the Bible, I'm going to take as much as the best understanding of mental health and science can do and see, see how that works out. Uh, the other side, or one other side might be we've got the best of science, but we're going to use the Bible to help us understand how to proceed. And I think on probably is going to be a lot more overlap. Mm. Now, some people make a theological philosophical distinction because who is the higher authority? Um, Is it the Bible or is it science? And I think to that, I would say, again, without telling you my personal views here, because it's just a private conversation. No one's listening here. But uh, I think one could say, do you have a biblically based mathematics? Do you have a biblically Mm. based physics? (laughs) Do you have a biblically based chemistry? And that's really the debate. Like someone said, you know, besides doing chemistry as a Christian, meaning honestly for the good of others, you know, for the benefit of others, not for your own glory, those are moral dimensions. They're not really Christian chemistry. It's not clear that a belief in God on a day-to-day level working with chemistry is gonna fundamentally change the results. But I think the issue with counseling is it seems to come up pretty quickly, uh, very early on in the life. Do you believe in God? Because if there is, then like our AA programs, you can invoke God very early on. But if you don't believe in God, Uh, i think that has radical implications but again if clinically based or biblically informed or biblically based clinically informed the way the center our center does it is we're trying to start with the word of god trust that sufficient and yet not afraid to engage and learn from the best of modern mental health and and
0: so the so you're seeing mental health issues beforehand um whether it was an uptick because there are more or whether we're identifying them more or whatever it is You stepped into the space and you're one of the founders of the the Boston Center for Biblical Counseling. You didn't have to do that. What motivated you to do that? And how did you even get started? How did you do it? How did you know enough to do it?
1: This is probably where we we thought the the, show would go. (laughs) It's kind of normal church (laughs) stuff. Um, It comes down to, so I was trained in seminary that when I go to a local church area to build a referral network. And what that means is call around, whether it's... services like counselors, therapists or whatever, and just call them and ask them. I was trained to ask them their theoretical orientation, their price fee, do they work with others like pastors and all those sorts of things. So I did that when I got to Boston, I called around and surprisingly, no one had ever really gotten a referral network um, because the, the presumption I was trained was if someone comes to your office and it's something that you, don't, you probably can't handle because it's too sophisticated, too intense or too time demanding, right? Do you want someone who has more training and skill? You know, we just refer. I think that's not. I think that's a responsible thing to do if it's beyond my capabilities. And so many things are beyond my capabilities. So referring sounds great to me. Um, what I wanted though was I realized because I had some time thinking and reading about counseling, and because I think in my church I seem to have the opportunity, <laughs> opportunity to do a fair amount of counseling even to this day. Uh, I was longing for people that I could I could refer them to Christians. Now there were a lot of good Christians in the city when I got here that we're doing counseling in settings that would not really be professionally, ethically appropriate to be overtly Christian in. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's like a lot of our industries, like public school teachers who are wonderful Christians, but they're trying to work and witness within this ethical framework of public schools, right? And so I think in the same way, so I would refer people, I, I, I would take students or teens to counseling and sit with them if the counselor was okay with that. And then ask them, well, do you ever pray with them? Do you ask them how they feel about God? And in general, it was very eclectic. And so Mm -hmm. some of them would say, yeah, like if I know the Christian, I'll do that. That was very rare. Most of the people would say, if they want to pray, I'm happy to lean into it. Some of that was because they're being mindful of their organization they are working in. Mm -hmm. So I just really long for more uh, clearly Christian expression of the kind of soul care we're trying to do. So then there were some Christian groups, Christian counseling groups or practices. But in the end, what I really wanted was a reliable place where I could literally tell people in my church, I know the people who I'm referring you to. And uh, uh, Fletcher Lang is a pastor in the city, uh, actually in uh, Somerville, um, came out of the City on the Hill network. Uh, he called me up one day along with others, and he was starting something. He's really the main human engine behind the founding of the center. Uh, and I loved it. I jumped on it. And honestly, I just whatever I could do to get this thing up and going, because without going into all the reasons, theologically and philosophically, I'm pretty, pretty comfortable with. Uh, this version of biblical counseling, which is based on the mm-hmm. CCEF model, which if no one knows what that is, that's fine. But but um, the CCEF, uh, that that model is the model that I found most palatable to my understanding of scripture.
0: And, and CCEF for folks is the Christian Counseling, Education. I, forget, I forget the, Education the acronym. Foundation. Yeah. Education, so it's, it's, it's a professional association of Christian counselors. Right. And
1: they train yeah. biblical counselors. And, and even the current president, says it's that name's a mouthful, <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, so, so I, I, I still will refer people to people that aren't in that center, especially if I know they, cause I talk to some Christians that they want a true legitimate, you know, medical person. They don't want, you know, no, no offense, but no Christian counselor. They want someone trained. So I, you know, I, I have no problem to refer them to someone like that, especially because they probably won't be as receptive if someone doesn't have that training. So happy to do that. Um, but usually I say this. And so what I'm finding today, Charles, is, and I said this in the last two years, largely because of the pandemic. I've now said in the sermons that I preach, I say, if you ever happen to come to me with a counseling issue and we talk in my office, I'm going to say publicly now, 99% of the time, I'm going to say, some point in it, hey, thank you for sharing this. It sounds really like God's working, but it also sounds really challenging. Have you thought about getting some counseling? Yeah. Uh, and I, they know that now, and they they know it coming before they come to me. Um, and they know that they're, I guess there's the stigma is still alive and real for some people, but for the yeah. most part, that's just there. And honestly, it's funny, people now come to my counseling office for my pastor's office for that. And they already know people that have already gone to the center the <laughs> um, yeah. and, and who've had positive experiences. So- um, well- yeah. And and
0: it's it's really critical. And so I'm, I I commend you and thank you for uh, taking the initiative to do it I, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I know uh, I think about somebody I know personally mm. who went to a counselor uh, and they weren't happy with their spouse, and the counselor's answer was divorce them, mm. right? And it what there wasn't any conflict even in that recommendation. Was, well, you're not happy with them, you shouldn't be there. And whereas if you get that biblically informed view. Yeah. Right. You can still have all of the science and but come from a perspective of actually let's talk about that relationship. And, yeah. and fortunately, they stayed they stayed together and they're very happy together. But <laughs> right. But you, you come from a completely different worldview about what's yeah. going to make you happy, what's right. helpful, all those kinds of things. And so informing it that way is useful. But I think you did something that's so neat. you reminding me of Wilberforce, right, where, OK, here's a problem. Let's go solve the problem. And uh, as opposed to I blush William, at
1: any comparison with William <laughs> Wilberforce, Charles, but OK, I, I, I would, just can't let you go on without me acknowledging <laughs> that.
0: It's... I knew you would. And that's part of the reason I did it. But <laughs> but no, but Wilberforce was identifying all him and the, the sects. Right. The SECTS sects at the time. Right. There were all every problem that came up, animal cruelty, child labor, slavery. Right. It was OK, let's create a new group and let's solve it. Mm. And that really is a place for the church to be. But I don't think we always think that way. Mm. It's we might be able to help, and I'm not suggesting that's bad, or it's just, hey, that's the system that's out there, and there's not much we can do about it. We just have to exist in the system as opposed to, no, let's change the system. I think that's great.
1: Yeah, and and I think, I don't know if anyone thinks this today, so it might be a straw man uh, argument, but I definitely feel like I came from a certain... um, wing of Christianity, where if you were not seeing a Christian counselor or even a new thetic or biblical counselor, I think the pastor would say you should you really should see a Christian one and you probably should not see the secular one. Um, I I don't know if anyone says that today, so I don't want to make a strawman argument. I think for my part, partly because I just don't think it's effective. If people like to do something, you tell them not to do it, it. you know, but but for my part, I usually say if you want to continue seeing your secular counselor or the one that insurance covers right, or the one at your university or your job, then, you know, I, I think. So here's what I would say in general. Um, modern counseling can be so non-directive. Right. You know that, that actually I'm surprised that someone told that couple maybe you should leave him because. I understand modern counseling to be very non-directive. Like it's just very, <laughs> let you do the talking. So, um, but of course, no matter who we are, we can have our views and perhaps our views come into the counseling session, even if we try our best to not. Um, but I usually say, Hey, you know, if you consider in addition to that, well, actually what, what I ended up talking to the person in my office about is, would it be nice to talk to someone, help you think about this from a biblical standpoint? And really when we mean by biblical, we mean someone that's kind of used to the Christianity we are like, mm-hmm. again, our churches can be very different, even among the Vision New England network. Uh, But in general, like someone that kind of understands and teaches the Bible the way we do, so they can synthesize it that way. And most people are very open. And then on top of that, what our church tries to do is, and if you need help financially, because your insurance won't cover it, or you may not have the means, our church has a program that says, you know, for the first X sessions, Mm -hmm. we can help you partner and things like that. Um, Because it is not cheap. And currently, it's at least our center, it's hard to be covered by insurance i don't think it is in general
0: okay and and so if someone may just in the last two minutes if somebody wants to get to the boston counseling center how do they find it and and if they're if they're like you and saying hey this is a great idea i should start something in my community Mm. how do how do they get started
1: i think first of all i'm probably going to have a more different posture than a lot of our faithful biblical counseling people because i i would say see if there's christian counseling in your area and align with what's happening there. We're in New England. There are not like, like robust evangelical churches on every corner necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I think we got to just do what we can to encourage what's there. And so I really try. I try not to denigrate other schools of Christian thought and counseling, even though I may have some significant differences. But it's mm-hmm. at the end, I think they're trying to follow the Lord Jesus' teaching on this. So I would say lean into that and look around your community. Just like with church planning, we want to be careful of, hey, there are no real churches here, so I'm going to start one. But what we really mean is there's no church with my denominational affiliation here. Um, and I think in New England, we have to have a more unified spirit because the number of Christians are so small that we just, we're not more virtuous and unified, Charles. We just have to work together, right? And so yeah. so I think we're, the same goes with counseling. Yeah,
0: yeah we're yeah. desperate enough that we'll work together. <laughs> yeah, so, so
1: I would look around and ask around and definitely encourage those people that are just doing that. Uh, and if there really isn't anything, I would contact CCEF uh, or, you know, our center is Boston Center for Biblical Counseling. I think the website is, I'm going to get this wrong. BostonBiblicalCounseling.org. I think um, you are absolutely right. Oh, well, there you go. So, but, but I guess I would say there. I I'm going to say that for the men and women in counseling who do counseling, including the non-Christian friends I have, I would say the average would be if you go to w- one of these folks who really want to help. I think you'll be helped. Yeah. Christian or non-Christian, and and I think you'll be helped. That being said. When it comes to certain types of issues or certain problems, things that move into worldview, for example, sexuality is going to play a huge difference in how you kind of get counseling. I think mm-hmm. that's when you want to say, um, you know, maybe you want something more intentionally Christian. But like I said, I, if someone says, I'm going to this non-Christian counselor on my campus and, you know, just a secular counselor, I would say I'm glad for that because I think, first of all, you're admitting you could use that help. And I honestly think for the most part, you're going to get help. But yeah. could you get the best help in the long-term that really doesn't just work alongside your faith, but works because of your faith? Uh, that would really be my hope and aspiration.
0: Yeah, Enoch, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Thank you for taking the impetus to start the Counseling Center. Thank you for uh, sharing with us about it. Thanks for your ministry, your friendship, and your
1: support. Oh, I appreciate my it. My pleasure. And I just really, I say, I really didn't do that much, okay? I just showed up for the ride, <laughs> and then one day they said no one wanted to be the board president, so I said, okay, I'll do it. And I, I just... <laughs> It's, you know, it. praise God, yes, praise God.
0: Amen, amen. Th- thanks again, and I'd like to thank our producer, Jessica Mangano, for re- putting this episode together. I'd like to thank our listeners. Uh, I hope this discussion helps us be the people of God who do the work of God in our communities, specifically around mental health, to transform lives in the world. Visit us at Vision New England for past episodes, other resources, and you click on Donate to partner with us to accelerate evangelism in New England. Our program is brought to you by our friends at the Luis Palau Association who are dedicated to proclaiming the good news, uniting the church, and impacting cities worldwide. Thanks.